Hawkesbury Radio. I'm here with Jason Coleman and Penny Martin, and we're going to talk about the effect of COVID shutdown on the performing arts industry. I'm going to let them do a brief introduction for both of you. Hi, guys, you're on the air. Hello. How are you? I'm good. It's good. Um, I'm a Penny, and um, I mainly do musical theatre um, and teach at a lot of the unis at NIDA and um, AIM and Actors Centre. So, yeah. Wonderful. And um, we're also with Jason Coleman. Hi, Jason. Hi, everybody. Great to be here with you, Kath. And um, <clears throat> I also, as well as proudly being in show business and have been for my entire life working with Penny and many of our other friends there, we're also local residents on the Hawkesbury. Wonderful, yeah. How's your Hawkesbury experience been? You've been there for quite some time, I understand. Yeah. And he started it, so you go yeah, first. Yeah, 25 years. 25 years living on the river. Whereabouts on the river do you live? Uh, Neverfell Bay. Neverfell Bay. Do you like Neverfell? I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And Jason, where do you live? I very proudly live, uh, have a house at Burrow Waters. I bought that in 1999 when I was performing in Chicago, the musical. Mm. And uh, I, I came out, we call Penn the OG, she's the original, um, in, in our sort of social groups. And, and I'd heard friends and people talking about coming out and visiting Penny's house. And, and then I came out and the day I was here, uh, John Moxham, the local real estate agent there down at Brow Waters, he's a gentleman and a good friend of all of ours. And, uh, and John says that he showed me this house and said, I'm not sure about the stairs. And he said, I ran up those stairs three at a time, ran out the front door and said, I'm going to buy this house. I, just, <laughs> I love it. I think it's one of the most magical places on earth. Yeah, Hawkesbury region is just an amazing place. And we're so happy to have you here at the Hawkesbury Radio chatting with local listeners because you guys are local, even though you have for many decades been out in the spotlight, in the in the fame. It's nice to know that, you know, you're still humble and, and you're willing to come down here and just have a nice chat with us and talk with us. Now, we have a very serious conversation that we want to talk about um, the effect of COVID on the industry and I'd like to go in um, with just some probing personal questions um, how the COVID as performers because you're both not only teachers but you're you know still performing how has this shutdown this year shutdown been on your lives devastating really it's just complete shutdown as um, everything that was coming up in the pipeline just gone so yeah, it's it's a shock because usually you can say, you know, like this is what's happened before or don't worry, it'll come, you know, we'll, you know, more will happen or we'll come back hard and fast. But this one just feels really different. Yeah, you know, there needs to be more support for the arts. Uh, Scott Morrison and the government stood up there in front of a, in a big wavy hands press conference with Guy Sebastian pledging $250 million to support um, artists and the commun arts community within COVID and not a single dollar of it has currently been spent. So we're very much waiting to see what support's going to be there for the very necessary part of us. And I'd like to say too, it's the performers that we fall back on in times of need and, and the, the fire benefit at the start of this year is another classic example under which where we the performers are the first ones to pick up our wares and go and do that for free for the betterment of the entire country when the country needs us. We're also the ones that, that the people fall on in regards to needing that entertainment and stuff. And so some support from those people to support many people within the arts is is going to be really crucial mm. can i can i just we're going to talk a lot more about all the specifics on that but i just want to go back to you personally jason how has this personally affected you how uh, I, I mean give, I say, give, give us a window into what's happened i'd like to preface it by saying this that i was blessed with being given hope by my amazing family and so i want every day 
to wake up tomorrow and tomorrow to be a better day. I walk the sunny side of the street. And my motto to my staff from the first day of shutdown was it's not about what we can't do, it's about what we can do. And we have certainly done that as much as we can. I'm somewhat different because I own educational facilities within my enterprise and we've been able to continue that remotely. Um, but I've also kept on all of my full-time staff and, uh, and taken the burden of that financially. But I'd like to say this about that. I really believe as a country we've done the right thing. We cannot sacrifice the weak and the needy and the old for financial reasons. That just doesn't sit with me at all. And secondly, that if I'm going to make myself the leader of the village, when the village has a storm, I can't just let everybody go on their own. I, as the person who made myself the leader of that village, I feel it's my responsibility to support as much as I can. So I've kept all of my staff on. I've kept paying the rent for the building that's empty. I've kept everything going again because when... We come out of the flip side of this, uh, we're going to be ready to kick and, and start again. So personally for me, I found the experience quite cathartic with the, the recognition, Kath, that people have lost loved ones here and I, I don't want to be light about losses that people have taken both financially and um, in, in regards to spirit and family. However, the opportunity for me personally to slow down a little, to stop and look and reflect to realise uh, I'm so busy climbing the ladder of success that I fail to stop and look down and see how high I've climbed and enjoy that view. So for me personally, which was where your question led, it's been somewhat of a cathartic and positive experience and I want to take the feelings that I have, the calm feeling that I have back into this exciting world that I have mm. and enjoy it a little bit more on the flip side. Wonderful. Pen, let's explore your your personal um, you know, emotions and, and what's happened with you personally in this shutdown? Um, it's, it's been, a, a, like, it's been really hard, it's just, but you have to stay positive. Yeah, so, I, like, I've got a lot of students that need me to stay positive too. So, um, I've worked a lot on Zoom, which... How do you like Zoom? It, I mean, it, I'm grateful that it exists. Um, but it is a, it's a very tricky way of teaching. It Especially is, physical. Fi yeah, it's physically a, a lot harder on the body because mm -hmm. you have to demonstrate everything, whereas usually you can pull people out and say, you know, you can talk it and say it, but I actually have to physically do it, which is, you know, it's been good for me, <laughs> getting me fit again. But, um, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's hard, and you can see especially my Melbourne students, you, you can see the wear and tear it's having on them. I went through and uh, looked online about all the different regulations for opening a theatre, for doing rehearsals and auditions, for touring, and the amount of effort that has to go into uh, making sure that the guidelines are met for even opening up is just impossibly oppressive. What are your thoughts on that? The LBA, the Live Performance Agreement, and the MEAA, which is a union that supports, basically governs the entire industry. Really good people that we all know well have worked really, really hard during COVID to set up the uh, provisions and policies and procedures under which where you have presented here on the desk, Kath, and that, that everybody's going to be working for to get our business going again. And then the only parameters that sit around that that's still unknown for us is that the timings of it. Uh, which is the most important thing. The timings and the numbers of it are all being precluded by the governments themselves. Um, so, um, again, the provisions are there. Um, I happen to know people that are rehearsing Frozen at the moment um, and the protocols around their rehearsal circumstances are 
um, being, they're very tight. They are being very... Um, you said they had to change clothes or... That's right. They, yeah. The performers have to change clothes to go into the rehearsal room, wear different clothes than they did to enter and the building. Everyone's in masks. Um, and, uh, and the theatres themselves, everyone's taking it really seriously because we really want our industry to open again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, Penn, what about the schools? What about when you go in to teach? Um, are you you are you specifically on Zoom still, or are you doing live? Um... Well, uh, for um, AIM, I'm still on Zoom, but that's because it's such a large university. Um, so, and there's so many different departments between classical, musical theatre, um, cabaret, the, all the different areas um, th- that it's. It's unfair if, if we let one group in, we can't let the other group in, so that's that stayed on Zoom. But the Actors Centre and NIDA are back open again, but yes, we're, everyone's really, really careful. My diploma students in Victoria, Kath, interestingly, they're allowed into the studio at the moment, and Melbourne's still just coming out of stage four hard lockdown. Yeah. The diploma students are allowed into the studios because they need to get their diplomas. Yeah, um, yeah. Are they the only ones? Uh, they're the only ones at this point. Right. I believe next week, the first year, full-time students are allowed to join again, and then mm. two weeks after that, the dance schools will be starting again. Mm. But... Um, Shout out to everybody in Victoria because yeah, yeah. it's really it's, uh, easy for all of us to talk about, but their lockdown and, uh, and the effects it's had on them is being much greater. Yeah, the mental effects, else. I'm sure. Uh, talking about mental effects, how do you feel the um, performers in the industry are coping from, you know, from talking with your, with your um, colleagues and your friends and, and, and your fellow performers? And I've got two answers to that, um, which is my group of friends, uh, from within the business. We're all doing okay. We've got the good support of each other. We mm-hmm. all know ourselves well. We're a positive group of people. We all recognise that we've done so well. Many of us have set ourselves up to get through hard times like this. Yeah, yeah. In saying that, though, I also know from reading that there's other people in the business that are really, really suffering. And um, and uh, and particularly, you know, uh, for example, a friend of mine that was in a full-time musical theatre show uh, that hadn't made money for years, so they wasn't apply, uh, applicable for any job keeper. He's just had a baby. He's just got married and had a baby, got a mortgage. Yeah. Um, and so everything's been ripped out from underneath him in regards to all the things that he feels that he should be doing as a father. All that opportunity's been taken away because, you know, as we're ingrained in our Western culture uh, from when we're very younger is what, what you want to do as a man is to provide, uh, or as an adult, is to provide for your children. And that yeah. ability is having a real mental effect on him, it's as well as not getting to go to the theatre, not to getting to experience that two hours of wonderful, amazing, colourful. Yeah, how much is the how much is the lack of culture affecting society? Do you reckon? I know you're just speculating at this point, but I think that the real lack of the live um, music industry, which again also has had zero funding, and um, the um, you know uh, performing arts industry, of course, which you both are so intimate with. Um, what what is this doing to society is not having this outlet having so that people can see the um beauty and see you know live live you know everybody's watching television now you know what's what's what do you think's happening with people not being able to experience that well there is nothing better than that live connection between an audience and and the performers so personally i think that it's 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 got to affect mental health because it's such a release. I mean, that's what we do. That's what, like it's taking someone out of their their hard times and just taking them on this journey is is the magic of what we do. Mm-hmm. So when people don't have that, it, I mean, it, I know we do have television and film as well, but it's there's something about life that I think is 
truly magical. You can't beat it. There's nothing like it. You, um, the difference of watching something and feeling something yeah. is quite often that connection of, of being something with somewhere live. I'd like to say this about it. Um, the stop, I believe, creatively has enhanced the world already. Oh, okay. The incredible television commercials that are coming out at the moment that are somewhat entertainment in themselves and not just three minutes worth of pushing you on a product. Um, the, the clever artistry that's coming on, the, the, the proactive dancers and young choreographers in Sydney and in Melbourne that I follow on social media, the creations that they've come up with during COVID, a brilliant one that the, the ballet dancers from around the world did yeah. to Swan Lake in the bathtubs. If you haven't seen it, yeah. Google it. <laughs> These incredible works. And, and I'm getting shivers as I sit here looking mm. at your lovely face, Kath. Um, um, and, and that is that what I said to my staff back on March 22nd, it's not about what you can't do, it's about what you can do, what can we do? And I think some amazing works have been formulated in people's heads and, and started to be created and uh, and visually already starting to affect the world. Um, and we're on the flip side of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I, I can't wait to see where that where that goes and what's going to come of that. And, and, and the fact that people have had time to stop and actually create and stop copying because the copy culture is affecting our business in a massive way, mm. show business and live entertainment, the copy culture and the individuality of everything disappearing. So I, I look for the positive in it. Great. That's great. We were talking about your mum in the break and you were saying that she's still down in Melbourne and not well. And so I just want to send out to your mum best wishes. How is she? Thanks, Kath. She's doing really good. I get my positive nature from her. So she um, is just making the most of it. Uh, for nine months, though, they haven't done anything. They haven't played golf, haven't seen any friends, haven't done anything. They just go for their little two-hour walk every day. Um, I... Uh, I'm proud to have come from a family under which we're, we're doing the right thing and doing what the leaders of our, that we elected are telling us to do. And, and do you have an opinion on the premiere of, um, of Victoria? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, do you want to, you don't have to express it. No problems at all. I, I say what I think about what I see. Yeah. And, um, and I'd like to say uh, that I think Dan Andrews at the moment is damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. And it's a terrible circumstance. But yeah. myself, my family, my staff, we've all got behind the fact that We've elected this person as our leader and, and you follow and trust what they do and if he's following what the scientists say and I'll say it another hundred times if I have to, we cannot forsake life for finance. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've done the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I lost a million dollars in the first eight weeks, Kat. That's, oh, that's an actual terrible number, financial actual amount. Yeah. And I stopped counting. I stopped yeah. looking at it in that manner. Yeah, yeah. Because it was destroying my soul a little bit. Yeah. But And, and we, the 50-year-olds who are the business owners of this current generation, we're probably going to take this hit harder than everybody else. But we've still done the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Penn, how do you think the premiere of New South Wales has been done? What, do you have an opinion or do you want to, you don't have to share if you don't have an opinion. Um, <laughs> I know she's had, I know she's been in the news I'm, I'm with uh, with all her personal life, but um, as far as a professional, I think she's done a pretty good job actually. Yeah, me too, yeah. me too. I, I think it's the same. Damned if you do. Damned, damned if you, if you don't. don't, yeah. And yeah, it's... I'm less happy with uh, the fact that Scott Morrison and I'm a liberal voter from a liberal family and I voted for Scott Morrison this time around, but I'm very unhappy that they're starting to politicise this Yeah. and that since Melbourne's the last lockdown, because ScoMo doesn't agree with Dan Andrews about it, there's been no support for Victorians, there's been no offer for Victorians, there's been no extended job keeper for Victorians, um, and ScoMo has not stood up and said anything to the Victorian people because he doesn't agree with the, the leader himself and he's forgetting that the Victorians are Australians too and he's also our Prime Minister. Yeah, even, like his, to even his announcement today was, you know, tentative. 
You know, <laughs> it wasn't anything you could you could actually you know he had he listed it all, but it was all still tentative. Nothing you know in stone. This, with due respect, is not America. Let's not have red states and blue states. No, let's, God no. Oh, let's, God no. Let's recognize that first of all, yeah. most we're all Australian, and try to get some sync on that. That's yeah, I'm like. I'm just going to talk a little bit here. We have some stats here of the COVID nineteen impacts on live performance industry. Um, thousands of permanent and casual staff. I think the casual staff has been hit a lot harder than the permanent staff because there's absolutely nothing happening and that affects artists performers crew creative venue staff ushers services providers sound lighting staging security and road crew so that's a huge swath of of the industry that's been affected kebab shops t-shirt sellers yep um, and all these other sidelined industries, taxi drivers, Uber drivers, yeah, all yeah. these other things that are secondary to that that are coming off these events as well. It's massive. Yeah. Uh, the lost revenue for a three for the three months uh, so far has been upwards of $540 million. That's huge. And also the lost attendance. About 6.6 6 million people um, haven't been able to enjoy live performances, and that's with outdoor music events and... I'd love to say something about this, Penny, if you don't mind. Oh. Um, and that is that I had the privilege and pleasure of working on the Olympic Games oh, yeah. in Sydney in the year 2000. Mm. And what happened when the Olympics came to Sydney, what an incredible time it was for all of us, for New South Wales, for Sydney. And 5,500 events companies opened because there was 5,000 events, right? You know, And mm. so, and then when the Olympics finished, there was all these event companies and all these stage managers, right? And more than we needed as a city in itself. And I think that through COVID as well, the peripheral companies, the smaller companies, the last ones to start up, the last ones to have their foot in the pie, these are the companies that are going to fall off in this circumstance. Yeah. But I wholeheartedly believe that the blue ribbon companies, the blue ribbon producers, the blue ribbon providers and the, and the, the best talent in the country that work the hardest to obtain to be that, it's going to come back for all of us. It has to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I own an audiovisual company and um, uh, we... Are now we were we were we were very big. I mean, you know, bloated as a company, and now we are lean and mean and scrappy, and just you know back to the basic bones. And I I would imagine that everybody's had to do that. You know, get rid of the extra fat and just you know get get mean because we've lost a lot of money as well. You know, and we've had to let people go, and it's just been a very very difficult year for us as well. But I'm so glad you guys are so hopeful. That's amazing. What would you like to see happen in the industry? And I know you mentioned funding. What else would you like to see happen, help help come for, the, for our industry? There's a hashtag that's been started in the last couple of years that's secondary to COVID, but it's called hashtag pay the dancers, and I'm 100% all about it. Yeah. There's Unfortunately, in our business, there's always the dancer that just got off the bus from Kansas that'll do the job for $50. Yeah, yeah. Right? And again, due respect there, Kath, uh, um, uh, to my little take on a Kansas joke, but... Um, um, and that kills the industry because of the want that dancers have. Um, what the grand final did this year in regards to looking to tender dancers for those events for free, looking for stage managers for the same events for free, that has to stop. Yeah. There has to be some provisions set by the MAA and the LPA about volunteer performers. Now, it is a necessary part of what we do particularly, and it affects me more than everybody else because I do the big stadium events, and that's where we use volunteers. But there needs to be some, some articles and some provisions, policies, procedures set around how many hours you are allowed to rehearse a performer for before it's considered volunteer or professional. Yeah. Once somebody nails that, that policy in itself, then we can all follow it up. But at this point, there's too many dancers out there working for free. Yeah. 
Yeah, we got a we uh, somebody came in and said, uh, you know, we'll 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 use your services. Um, we 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 need your services for free. Otherwise, we won't be able to use the venue that you know that we're in house in. And so they were pretty much extorting us to give them free equipment and free services, um, and or and create a friction between our company and the company and the business that we you know work with. And I just thought that that was you know. And these are people who've been in the industry for a long. I mean, they're really you know some sharks out there, snakes out there taking advantage of the Hashtag, situation. Hashtag Paid the Dancers was started off in Melbourne by a gentleman mm-hmm. called Sam Gaskin who's a choreographer that's in and out of my studio sometimes. Sam Gaskin started off because dancers in Melbourne were asked to be in a Kylie, a Kylie Minogue video clip and perform at the Logies for $200. Oh my God, that's nothing. Oh, please, come yeah. on. We're not it's talking about an emerging movies. artist here. Either, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that wasn't Kylie doing the booking. It wasn't her directly. It wasn't her doing that procurement. It was a production company along the way. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we just need to acknowledge that all levels of the industry from the dancers right up to the leads, it all needs to be acknowledged that the business needs to start again and that there needs to be some support there in regards to getting that to happen. Mm. So that I'm not asking that we save the whole village, <laughs> but recognise the important people within that village so that when we do start up again, there is a village. Yeah, yeah. Recognise the stalwarts, the, the, the foundation holders, those people, and, and, and support them. And, Pan, how do you feel about um, going forward? What do, you, what do you see the need um, in education and, in, in, um, you know, these young dancers? What is their outlook? Well, it's we've just got to keep them like motivated and and keep them show fit because they've put the hard work in. They've they've worked so hard to get where they've gotten already, and it, it's it's like any sport or anything. If you if you don't do it for a while, you you, you get rusty, and so you have to like. We have to start getting venues, even like open air venues, getting them performing and, get, you know, because they're getting, you know, it's such a short career too. The I lessons mean, it's very for, hard to have longevity me. within dance. Um, so it, it, we've got to get it up and running for the... So, you know. So this is really impacting the youthful performers coming out of yeah. um, school, and and it, you know, and there's no work for them. No, or even like yeah. um, ballet dancers that have come out like, and they've they've gotten placement, but it's overseas. Yeah, I say get you used know. to it and, and and suck it up a little bit, Buttercup, in mm. regards to these young performers. This is the business you're coming into. It is not job to job. Yeah, you have to absolutely love it. You can be in the chorus of the latest hottest show, and then next year you've still got to be improving yourself to get into the next show and all those sorts of things. So for the young performers, it's not easy. If you want to make a living out of what we do, as Penny and I have, there is a lot of work that goes behind that. There's a lot of love for it and there's a lot of downtime um, looking for and, and finding that next job and finding teaching and all these other things for yourself within it. In show business, nobody hands it to you. You get out of bed and you make it for yourself every day. What can I do and what can I find? And so I just think for these kids, it's a hardcore lesson. Mm. This generation has somewhat had everything handed to them on a platter and they've been celebrated for everything they've done. And the realisation, I think, is that they, if they want to go into show business, is that it's going to more likely be like this year yeah. <laughs> um, than anything else in their lives they've had before. Do you have any final you know, thoughts and statements that you might like to put out to uh, our listeners here on Hawkesbury Radio? Just uh, when we do open up again and when the theatres are all open, please just buy a ticket for everything. <laughs> buy, buy tickets and just come and see some live. Yeah, get out there. And Jace? I really think more than ever, um, and we've sort of touched on it here, that 
every good live performance that you see is worth every dollar that you spend um, because of the experience that you get being there. And it's never been more important for everybody that everybody does what Penny just requested, which is to get involved in your local stuff, the bigger stuff, everything, all levels of entertainment that you were involved in, get out and, and get back involved in them again. Yeah, great. All right. Thank you. Thank you both so much for coming down here and chatting with us here at Hawkesbury Radio. We so appreciate it. Again, Penny Martin, Jason Coleman, wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having Kat. us. Bye.